Okay, hi everyone and welcome again to our podcast, Don't Blame the CRM. Today I have an awesome guest from uh, some, uh, California, Eric from a company called Demostack. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thanks, Miko. Glad to be here. Excellent. And it is, as, as I said, good morning for you. You're based in, in California. I'm based in Helsinki, Finland. But could you first introduce yourself and also the company Demostack? What do you guys do? Yeah, um, my name is Eric, uh, uh, last name Portugal-Welsh. Um, fun fact about that is I'm neither Portuguese nor Welsh. Um, I'm part of a head of RevOps at a company called Demostack. Uh, we're a demo automation platform. We, we make the demo experience for your solutions engineering and your sales team uh, super simple. And I, I had a chance to, um, just by accident, um, meet with your CEO, Uh, at Saster last September. And uh, I remember that it was quite early on when you decided to set up RevOps. So can you tell us a little bit about that story? Demostech was founded not, not too many years ago. You've been growing super fast, but quite early on you decided to do uh, and have a RevOps function. Why, why was that? Yeah, so Demostech was founded in 2020 by uh, uh, three people, Jonathan, Galad, and Aaron. Um, And the go-to-market team was brought on uh, not too long after. Um, as soon as they hired a VP of sales or brought, uh, moved away from the founder-led uh, sales motion, um, they started looking for a head of RevOps. And mostly because the, the VP they brought in has had a lot of experience in the early stage startup world and has seen the impact RevOps has when they come in. So he, he told me every company he goes to, he brings them in earlier and earlier. Um, and it's really to, to lay the foundation, lay the groundwork um, for, for scale. Um, and it's, you know, it's something I'd advise any company to do. Bring RevOps in early. It creates less of a headache later. Yeah. Um, so I came in and I was employee number like 36, yeah. 36, 37. Uh, and at that time, we had a sales team of about five. So way earlier than uh, I've, I've been a part of before. Yep. And how, how many employees are you now? Because you were employee number 36. Back then, sales team was five people yeah. doing sales. How about now? How many employees? How big is the sales team? And also how many, how many people in the, in the RevOps team? So we have a, a global team of about 115, 116 um, now. And then... We have a sales team, a whole go-to-market team that we support of about 25. Yep. Um, and that can be broader, narrow, depending mm-hmm. on your definition of go-to-market team. And then the RevOps team is three. So myself, a RevOps uh, manager, um, and then uh, uh, RevOps enablement or revenue enablement. Yep. And uh, do you cover, like, which departments do you cover? Sales, CS, marketing, how about finance and products? Like, what's, what's included in your definition of RevOps? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a stickler for this because I know RevOps is oftentimes a fancy title for sales operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do cover marketing operations, sales operations, customer success, support, um, and We're very, very keen to like make sure that there's a balance in who we cover um, mm-hmm. and who support. Uh, for when I started before hiring my team out, um, it was a one-person operation. But I also, 
because of uh, you know bottlenecks in our process and and um, with the sales motion, uh, jumped into a product operations hat for a minute. Um, it's just the nature of an early stage startup. You take on responsibilities. And that was something that was well outside of my comfort zone, but uh, since passed it on to somebody who's more competent in product operations. But um, I, I did sit in that seat for a little bit. And then we we do a handoff with finance. Finance doesn't have operations specifically, but um, we have a VP of finance and a, somebody who manages deal desk. So I work mm-hmm. really closely with them as well. Yeah. So an enablement is in your case, part of RevOps and maybe sometimes finance is part of it, but in, in your case, it's not, then you just yeah. collaborate with DealDesk uh, a lot. Uh, yeah. Makes makes sense. Uh, in a moment, it would be nice to talk about um, the technology stack, but I think it would be easier for people if they also know a little bit better what demo stack is all about. So demoing demo experience. Uh, so w- why is what is that space and why should salespeople and revenue people and sales engineers care about this demo experience. So what, what do you guys do? Yeah, there's there's a there's a bunch of different reasons why different uh, different departments should care about us. Um, I'll say that you know typically historically in a sales motion, the demo is tracked as like a, a stage. It's either an opportunity stage in your pipeline or it's just uh, something that you have to do. Um, Having a demo experience platform gives you, uh, from a RevOps perspective, a lot more insight into what goes into creating a demo, mm-hmm. what goes into delivering a good demo, who's delivering good demos, not good demos. And this is something that would be a little harder to see um, in a conversation intelligence tool like Gong. Like mm-hmm. we're talking specific click paths, motions, the story that you're telling during the demo uh, experience. Um, So what makes a good one? And then how many does it take to get to uh, a closed one deal? Um, So from a, and I'm speaking from a a RevOps perspective, I mean, that's really exciting to me. From a solutions engineering or sales engineering perspective, um, you know, a lot of people are maintaining or, or, database clones, product clones, uh, um, and have to really spend a lot of time making sure that the data that they're presenting in their product is up to speed or it's accurate. And then customizing that experience can take, uh, you know, an incredible amount of time. Mm -hmm. Um, So from their perspective, having a demo experience platform like DemoStack, we're able to make make a clone of your database and then allow you to just easily customize it to the story that you're trying to tell, the persona that you're selling to, uh, the company that you're selling to. And so from their perspective, it it saves a lot of time. And then they're able to hand something off that, you know, the AE can use and the AE can then go forward with the demo. Mm. Um, you know, and I, sorry to all the AEs out there listening, but allows the, the SC team to put guardrails on what the AE is presenting to. Yep. Sounds sounds good. I've seen also um, some videos. I, I really like the space and I think quite new, especially in Europe. I feel in Europe now, lots of companies are implementing um, tools like Gong at the moment, but I think this might be the next next big big wave also in, in, in Europe. But 
I think before we talk about technology stack, always good to understand. You mentioned 25 people in go-to-market teams, 120 people in total. I also read that you're well-funded. You raised a big funding round um, some, some time ago. But, and then your ICP, obviously, is companies that are doing demos. So I guess B2B SaaS is, is the ICP uh, for yep. you. So how about technology stack? Like how, how many tools do you need and what have you decided to do to build like a really solid technology stack from some from RevOps point of view? So what, what do you have? CRM, yeah. marketing automation and the tools that you use? Yeah, so when I when I joined, we had three, three tools already in place. We had yeah. HubSpot as our uh, marketing automation uh, system. We had Salesforce. Yep. Uh, and one of the things that excited me the most was when I looked at Salesforce, it was crystal clear. Like it, it was the cleanest instance. They had just implemented it. So I was a kid in a candy store. Yep. Um, and then they had outreach for um, email automation uh, and uh, and um, conversation intelligence. So uh, so three. So yep. when I came on, we uh, onboarded uh, Gong yep. um, for for real conversation intelligence. Um, also, our founders are pretty close to, to the team over there. Yep. Um, and then in order to set our Salesforce instance up for long-term scale and success, onboarded a tool called Lean Data to do all of our lead routing, um, which was being done manually by our, our biz dev manager. Yep. He would literally have a spreadsheet and would round rob into his two people that yep. way. Um, so implemented that. And then brought on um, revenue base for data enrichment. Yep. Um, they're a super awesome customized database. Uh, Sweep.io to do funnel automation it allows me to take do less admin work in Salesforce and focus more on the big picture. Mm -hmm. um, and then we recently implemented uh, Qualified yep. as our chatbot. Uh, and moving over to their meeting booker on our website. And then am I missing anything? I'm probably missing some of Syncury as our reverse ETL so we can get uh, product data back into Salesforce. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that covers kind of the big ones. Yeah. There's smaller ones, yeah. And then I would imagine that you're sort of the source of truth for everything is Salesforce and I guess to some extent HubSpot. Do you have any plans to implement like a cloud database at some point to, to act as a CDP customer data platform uh, in a way? Like what are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so yeah, right now Salesforce is our like uh, source of record. Um, we do a lot of our reporting there and in Google Data Studio, uh, mm. but our plans in Q2 are to bring on uh, to implement a broader like data strategy with um, a data lake, uh, maybe Snowflake, yep. um, using Syncury as kind of the pipeline machine there. Um, and I say that because, and it hurts a little bit because I did come from uh, Fivetran, um, yep. which yeah. you know obviously is is leading the front or leading the fight on the modern data stack. But um, Syncury has kind of solved a lot of a few issues internally. Mm -hmm. Um, it does some stuff really well. Yeah. So it's already lots of tools and, and quite a big technology stack to manage. And um, I assume the company keeps growing, so there might be even more. Some people have predicted that this year, because of the economic climate and 
all that, that it might be the year of consolidation in terms of technology stack. What, what do you think is that actually going to happen or companies might try to do it and aim for it? But what are your thoughts? Will we see consolidation in terms of technology stack this year? I, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of tools that are nice to have go mm-hmm. away. Um, and I there are there are systems that for RevOps are are directed specifically at us um, to help with like RevOps efficiency, um, visibility. And I think tools like that are going to be the first on like, I would say, I would literally, I would say the chopping block. Like mm-hmm. they, they don't, you know, we might have to start sacrificing a little bit of our time savings to mm-hmm. benefit, you know, to pass on to the, the go-to-market teams. Um, but yeah, I think People are going to start to take advantage of the the systems that are consolidated. Um, I think the the prime example is HubSpot. HubSpot mm-hmm. is, you know, I'm going to date myself here for a second. There, uh, remember those old stereo like boomboxes that does everything but nothing super well. Um, and I think people are going to be moving back to that. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas you know, getting best in class for everything is like designing your own sound system with mm. specific speakers, your specific yeah. receiver, your players. Um, and so HubSpot, you know, they do uh, what Outreach does. They don't yeah. do it as well, but they do it. They do what Qualified does. They've got the chatbot. Um, everything's integrated. It's an easier package to manage. So you don't need as many people managing it. Mm. Um, and you can get a bundled price. So I do think people are going to be moving back to that. Yep. I don't know if it's the right answer, but I see it happening. Yep. You mentioned HubSpot. Um, I've seen quite often people thinking that if they use HubSpot for marketing, should they also use it as a CRM? But you're using Salesforce. Like, what are your thoughts? Like, is it easy to integrate HubSpot and Salesforce, or would it, would it provide lots of benefits if you used? Salesforce tools for both CRM and, and then uh, marketing side of things or HubSpot for both. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, this is this is like the one of the biggest debates I see in um, um, the community, the RevOps communities. <laughs> um, I I think some of it is personal preference. Like you know, the person you hire is going to have a bias towards one system or another. Yep. Uh, I will say HubSpot's coming up really fast. Um, their, their system is improving, uh, your ability to customize, uh, customize it is improving Salesforce. Like the the greatest strength it has is its greatest weakness in that you can do anything with it. Mm -hmm. So it can become a nightmare cluster zone really fast. Um, whereas HubSpot has a lot of stuff out of the box. Mm -hmm. Um, you can, a small team can implement it pretty quickly. You can get really clear funnel metrics. They just do that out of the box. Where Salesforce, you need somebody who can build a lot of stuff. Um, although you could buy, you could use Sweep to do it for you. Uh, but it does require a lot of plugins, a lot of additional spend. And um, I know a lot of CEOs and a lot of founders hate uh, giving them money because they're the Goliath. Mm. Um, but once you do, once you do implement something like Salesforce fully, um, it's pretty sticky. It's hard mm-hmm. to go 
it's hard to go back to just HubSpot. Yep. Um, that's that's interesting. You mentioned that it's a hot topic in RevOps communities. Uh, we also have lots of RevOps people listening, and uh, I think maybe it was at inbound um, HubSpot's annual conference where they talk about that it will be community-based growth uh, or something like that. But anyways, people talk about communities. So, and I've also seen you being active in some of the RevOps communities. So what, what are the like best RevOps communities where you go in to learn new things? Uh, what are those? Yeah. Yeah. So my two favorite um, are RevOps co-op. Yep. Um, I think they have actually the, now the biggest uh, membership um, worldwide. Um, they're fantastic questions about, you can ask questions about anything, you'll get answers and sometimes faster than you could find the answer on Google. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's great. Um, and then the Wizard of Ops. So Wizard of Ops is run by a company called Sonar. Um, might, uh, they might be about the same size. Um, it's, it's a, it, they might even be exactly the same people in there, mm-hmm. but they're both fantastic communities. Um, I, I'm in there reading about new topics um, almost every day. Yep. It, it, yeah. Any, any up and coming communities um, that you can mention? Uh, I mean, it's not, maybe it's quite well known. Rev Genius is also one, but any, any other like, or even more specific like RevOps communities that are more focused on a specific topic, anything that pops up in your mind? Yeah, the, the pre-sales collective is really good. Uh, less RevOps focused, more, more focused for solutions engineering and sales. But it's, I think it's a good thing for RevOps people to be a part of because um, it helps you, especially for me being in the demo space, like it helps me, better understand like the issues, the troubles people are having um, and where we can help solve them. Um, and then there's another, uh, uh, it's a membership one, but um, uh, the pavilion is a great place to go. And then um, I'm also part of something called the go-to-market uh, circle. Yep. Let's talk about this year. Uh, of course, we all know that many companies talk about that instead of growth at all costs. This is the year of growth at reasonable cost. But where do you focus in, in your in your company and your team this year? Like what are the main focus areas uh, in 2023 for you? Yeah. Uh, so it's um, we're looking at, um, like you said, it's not growth at all costs anymore. It's efficient growth for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're kind of changing we're changing measurements for for members of the uh, the business development and sales team um, instead of your typical and and this is just one very simple example um, and it but it's how we're it's our how we're thinking about the rest of the business uh, but for our our a typical business development team they're measured on you give them a quota that you back you can back into by the the number of or the amount of revenue that you need to generate. Um, month over month. Um, and typically they're just given a, a number. Hit 50 meetings a month or 50 opportunities a month. Um, and you split that out by the team and how many each team member has to hit. Um, instead of just doing that, um, we're measuring the, the biz dev team on efficiency, which is the cost per deal that they bring in, cost per opportunity that they bring in. Um, so they have to balance headcount with... Mm-hmm. Um, with achieving like that top line number and keeping the cost per deal 
within a certain range. So one, it's it's giving them more visibility into like their impact on our on our CAC um, or cost of acquisition. Um, and I think it's actually making them feel more ownership over the business as well. Mm. Yep. So efficient growth. Um, what else? Of course, that's one one topic. And I guess to some extent, all companies are uh, are implementing that that motion. Uh, but in, I feel that in RevOps, you can focus on technology stack. You can focus yep. on the, sort of the playbook, the revenue playbook. You also have enablement in there. There's lots of things to do regarding data all the time. Like other than that, what other things that you have on the on the table for for this year? Yeah. So, um, you know, Demostack's not a, not an old company. We're, we're really new. Um, so I know a lot of companies are going towards expansion as like a main driver for the year because expansion revenue is cheaper than new business revenue. They're already customers. So that, that is something that we're going after. So it's how do we leverage our current customers and really drive not only adoption, but the expansion. Um, the product team is working on, uh, Lots of new add-on features for us that are going to start to drive more revenue. Um, but from a RevOps perspective, to me, that's really digging into our product analytics and figuring out what makes it success or what indicators can we see mm. to to help inform the uh, sales team and our customer success team yep. um, that a company is ready for expansion or ready for upsell. Yep. Um, so expansion revenue and upsell and, and, and cross sales, a uh, couple of questions yeah. that pop up. Uh, are you managing that pipeline in Salesforce or have you been, ever thought of implementing something like Gainsight, PlanHat, to Tango, or is all that at the moment in, managed in, in Salesforce? It's, it's all managed in Salesforce. Um, we, see our, we see expansion... Uh, expansion, upsell, cross-sell as like new business revenue. It's yep. it's addition. You know, it's not renewal revenue for us. Um, we there are thoughts of implementing a uh, a customer success tool, um, something like Churn Zero, Gainsight. Yep. Um, but we are using a tool called Staircase right now to track customer sentiment, mm-hmm. um, which is feeding into like a health a customer health score. But all of this is in Salesforce for us. Um, I'm not, I'm of the opinion, like customer success tools are great. Um, but there's, there's a lot of underutilized, uh, functionality with Salesforce, um, that, that needs to be utilized and built out before a successful, like CS tool can be implemented. Yeah. Then I think upsell expansion, also pricing plays a crucial role. Um, is how involved is RevOps when it comes to pricing decisions, or is that something maybe a product team decides? Like, how involved are you in terms of pricing and and designing these packages that you that you sell? Yeah, that probably varies, like company to company, RevOps team to RevOps team. Um, I would say at DemoStack, I was kind of on the periphery of it. I was part of some of the conversations. Um, I aggregated all the data and kind of gave it to the team for their decisions. Um, but I wasn't in the, here are the number, like here are the specific numbers for each product line. Um, our pricing is also very simple. Um, and it was 
and and it was kind of packaged by our product marketing team um, with uh, finance. Sounds good. And then lastly, we're soon running out of time, but as 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 we spoke already before the episode, RevOps is or has been in the US already quite some time a hot topic, and we have all seen, I guess, those LinkedIn ads course that it's been the fastest growing yeah. job title and all that. But it's also gaining lots of momentum in Europe, and that that means that there's lots of people who are now maybe in sales, maybe in finance, maybe in mm-hmm. sales ops, and they will move over to RevOps. Uh, what do you think will be? Can you mention one or two maybe surprising things, something that people might not expect that are sort of present in in in, in RevOps if you're about to make that make that move and join RevOps? Like, what are the surprises they will they will face? What do you think? Sure, uh, lots lots of messages uh, from every every department. <laughs> Number one, um, no. So making the transition from sales ops to RevOps, um, it's not just a title. It's not just a new title. Like if you're doing it right, it is, it is support of the entire funnel. Um, so really digging into marketing and focusing just as much effort there as you do with sales, as you do with customer success. I think the amount of time and effort that goes into that is pretty, pretty surprising. There's a lot, lot of new skills that you need to, to acquire and a lot of new, um, everything is an acronym. So it's a lot of new acronyms that you have to kind of familiar, familiarize yourself with. Um, and then competing priorities. So the great thing about RevOps is that you do have visibility into the entire funnel and what's going on and what projects need to be taken into account. But you also have a lot of personalities that are fighting for um, for their projects to be prioritized. So um you really have to get good at, I wouldn't say saying no, but saying not right now. And then if people now, people in the audience, if they also want to take a look at Demostack, it's the best way to go to the website, I guess, demostack.com. And, and do, by the way, provide some sort of, at least a product tour, I would imagine that's part of uh, part of the products. How about free trials? Can people try it out for free or what's the best way to um, engage with the, with the product and with your team? Yeah, so we so DemoStack is a, is it it requires a lot of customization, but we do the the best thing to do to see it. Go on our website. Uh, we have a chat bot if you want to chat with somebody live. We do have somebody. We have a, do have a team in in EMEA, so somebody in in the time zone for most of the listeners here, um, and they can jump on a call with you and show you the product, um, give you a demo of it on that first call. Um, we're working on getting an actual tour of the product on the website, but you can kind of see we have a lot of animations and videos of the product in use. Excellent. Thanks for those tips. And also a big thanks for being part of this episode. And then, of course, yeah. for everyone who's been listening and watching, thank you. And we'll be back with a new episode next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.